High Praise Podcasts. Hey everybody, this is Pastor Joshua, lead pastor here at High Praise, and I want to thank you for downloading today's podcast. We know that this message is going to encourage and bless you. So I want you to open up your heart and receive what the Lord has for you today. Praise God. It is so good to see all of you here tonight and uh, for our Wednesday night midweek service. And we are really blessed and honored and privileged tonight to have uh, a very, very close friend of mine and that friends, I should say, and that's Pastor Richard and Gail Parenchief from Ocala, from Now Church. We have known each other since 1992. 1992, I went to, uh, now it was back then, it was Spirit Life, and I went there to minister. Michael had, he was a baby. He has one month old, and um, was it May or June of that? It was in May of that year, May 14th. Yeah, and, uh, and it, it, there are a lot of things that uh, went on. To, as a matter of fact, we went, f- either we were coming back from the, uh, yes, we, we had already been up to New England. Maybe it was after that. I can't remember. We went to New England. Uh, Micah was like six weeks old, and we traveled by van all the way to New England and into Canada. And uh, so we trained them up right. Praise the Lord. Uh, but uh, nonetheless, of course, uh, obviously, Pastor Joshua and also Kayla, they were with us too. But uh, we we have known them for such a long. They have a powerful, powerful work there in the Ocala area. God's doing great things through them, has been throughout the years. I think their church has been in existence for 33 years. He is a tremendous preacher, teacher, travels around the nations. I don't know how many nations he's been to, but it's a lot. A lot of nations that he has traveled. How many? Is it thir- Number 80, he's been in 82 nations and is about to be in Cuba and number 83. Praise the Lord. Give the Lord a praise for that. That's tremendous. Taking the gospel to the nations. And has had influence there, uh, does a lot of leadership seminars, teaching leaders, pastors, uh, how to be strong in the Lord and how to really bring forth the word of the Lord. And, uh, and so we love them so much. And again, this is a very, very dear friend of ours. As a matter of fact, these screens, all the screens that you see around uh, the church, it's his son, Ricky Parenchief, who owns Proton Global. And he did all the install uh, in these screens, all the different things that we have the lights. Uh, that's all uh, their company. And uh, I tell you, he's just got wonderful kids that love the Lord, that are serving the Lord. And we appreciate them so much. So I would like for us to give honor to whom honor is due, a man and a woman who have been faithful to the Lord, faithful to the kingdom of God. Come on, let's give it up. Give it for our pastor, Richard Parenchief. Hallelujah. Good to see you. Oh, so great to be with you. You can take your seat. We're so glad to be here. My wife, I asked my wife if she had anything in her spirit. She, she wanted to, she's, she's got something, but she's kind of hesitant here. So she, maybe, she'll, maybe she'll bring it forth. But I thought uh, Pastor Joshua was going to preach my message when he prophesied tonight because he's talking about all this stuff. My message is called Run to Win. And you're talking about people in the race and trying to cross the finish line. So that's kind of what's in my spirit. I want to say congratulations to all of you Seminole fans. You are back. We congratulate you. On behalf of those of us that live around Gainesville, Florida, we want to say congratulations. I was praying for you to win the other night because I knew you'd be in a better mood when I got here on Wednesday night. I do understand that there are some Gator fans in the, in the church. Pastor Robert said he allows anybody in here. And uh, as long as they, he said, he said, Gators need salvation almost more than anybody is what he says. So <clears throat> anyway, so great to be with these dear friends. Dr. Robert Gay. I, I got to be a part of him getting his doctorate in a way uh, in the sense of he, he asked uh, if I would be one of the ones that would uh, let them know kind of what his background was. So they did a background check, and I told him the whole truth. I told him everything. But anyway, this is one of the most integrous people that I've ever been around. 
If you ever wonder what, what Dr. Robert Gay is like behind the scenes, he is exactly the same as he is in the pulpit. This is who he is. This is who he's been for more than three decades. And we're honored to be his friend and Pastor Stacy's friends. And we're very, very proud of Pastor Joshua, Pastor Miranda, and what's happening with the family. Give it up for them. Your leaders are important. They're great. <clears throat> Anyway, it's exciting. Uh, I will say that on the way tonight, because my son was here doing all the technology, we're very proud of him. But he told me, if you're going to be there, you got to go to Rodeo's Steak Pit. So we came on the way. It is anointed food, but I got to tell you, I walked in and I'm, uh, uh, Rodeo's Steak, I'm ready for a nap. I'm ready for a nap. It's just, I mean, it, it was one of the best steaks I've ever had. Fantastic stuff. Anyway, you guys are blessed around here, aren't you? You got good spiritual food and good natural food. Anyway, we're delighted to be with you, and we're going to be with Pastor Micah and Chelsea for their third anniversary in Crestview this Sunday. So really excited. Yeah, give it up for Pastor Micah and Pastor Chelsea. If you have a copy of the, of the Word of God, please open it. Otherwise, I'm going to read my first passages from the message. Uh, great translation, kind of a life-changing thing for us personally. Um, and then John chapter 3 is where we're going to be. 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 9, verse 19 is where we're going to begin. Verse 19 from the message. Listen to this. Paul writes this. Even though I am free of the demands and expectations of everyone... I'm not a people pleaser, say amen. I have voluntarily become a servant to any and all in order to reach a wide range of people. Religious, non-religious, meticulous moralists, loose living immoralists, gnolls, gators, all the defeated, the demoralized, whoever. Now look at this, this is a real key part of the verse in the message. I didn't take on their way of life I kept my bearings in Christ, but I entered their world and tried to experience things from their point of view. In other words, I got a new perspective trying to remember what it was like when I didn't know God. He said, I've become just about every sort of servant there is in my attempts to lead those I meet into a God-saved life. I did all this because of the message. I didn't just want to talk about it. I wanted to be in on it. You've all been to the stadium and seen the athletes race. Everyone runs, but only one wins. Run to win. Now, the context of running to win is about how you're reaching lost and hurting and broken people. The concept of running to win is not, this is not just about you doing something to be competitive. This is about your desire to see lives changed and God's kingdom built in the local church. It's exactly what this is about. I want to weave in John chapter 3. Everybody, you know, even sinners know John 3.16, right? But I want to take it further. This is from the New King James. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. But look at verse 17. For, anybody remember uh, Schoolhouse Rock, Conjunction Junction, what's your function? For, for is a, is a connecting word. It connects these two verses. In other words, the thought is not done in verse 16. It goes on for, God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but that the world through him might be saved. Sozo, set apart, spirit, soul, and body for freedom. Let's pray one more time. God, would you open the eyes of our heart, let your word come forth tonight in power and confirm it with signs and wonders. Tonight, Holy Spirit, you are welcome in this place as always, and we ask you to touch every person. Lord, we ask you to touch every family that has someone in their family that's not walking with you right now. And we release you, Holy Spirit, to go get them, to draw them back to the house of God, to connect them to your vision and your heart. In Jesus' name, and everyone said amen. I just started a new series. I, I was blown away when I looked at uh, 
Dr. Roberts' social media page this week and saw he's talking about ordinary to extraordinary because I began a new theme on Sunday in our church called the extra mile. We're both using the term extra and I think that's some kind of a prophetic thought. Extra, extra. There's something that God wants to do to add to where we are now. There's something extra that God is doing. And, and as I was kind of pondering this thought for my church recently, uh, you know, how many know God talks to you in your own language? And I don't mean, you know, I don't mean just if you speak Spanish, he talks to you in Spanish uh, or, or Creole or whatever else. I, what I mean is God talks to you in a way you understand. In the book of Acts, when they spoke in other tongues, the, everybody heard them speaking in their own language. It's always interesting to me that, 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 that what the Holy Spirit had them do that day communicated and resonated with the people right where they were. They heard them speaking in their own languages. God speaks to us. So um, some people in our, in, in, in our church think that I'm funny. And so uh, my wife is not one of them. But anyway, it's... And so God speaks to me through humor. Thank you for that overwhelming response. <laughs> and, and so uh, when I was just spending time with the Lord in the last week or so and preparing for this message at our church called The Extra Mile, I was kind of, God started showing me something and I thought it was so strange. It wasn't, it wasn't like an open vision, but it was like a thought. And it was a funny thought. It was kind of a strange thought. And, and I saw, do you, anybody remember the, the old, uh, you did in school the hokey pokey, remember that? You put your right foot in, put your right foot out, you put your right foot in, and you shake it up. Remember that? Well, the Lord spoke to my heart. He said, son, too many of my people are hokey pokey Christians right now. And I said, Lord, what, what are you saying? He said, right now, too many people, they put their whole self in and they put their whole self out. Too many people playing games right now and in these times we live in, it's just, you, you can't play games with God. He's holy and he's loving, he's funny, he's great, but I'm telling you, it is a holy moment that we live in. And I saw this hokey pokey thing. I thought, well, that's, the, that's so weird. But God said, I want to do something extra, but I can't do it with those who are in and then they're out. And they're in and they're out. And then they turn around and shake it all about. And that's what it's all about. Turning the church inside out is what I believe that God is doing in our day. Uh, he's he's kind of he's kind of turning us inside out again. You know, there, there was a time, we kind of from time to time as a church now reflect on where we are. When we were on television for nine years, we had 20 or 30 visitors every Sunday. And when we went off television before high definition came in. We sold all of our equipment was analog. So we sold it. My son's company back then was formed. He sold all the analog and got rid of it in time to prepare for high definition. When we sold it, we went off of television. We were on in 80 nations. We were on locally out of Gainesville on a secular station. And we were on a, on a Christian, on a Christian station in of our, out of Orlando. And we were doing really, really well. But the moment we went off television, there weren't many visitors coming. And I realized, wait a second, that's a strange kind of phenomenon. We didn't realize while we were on TV for nine years, TV was bringing us visitors, but our people weren't inviting their friends. And we didn't know it. We thought we were doing as well as we ever had. And we had to kind of go to some lengths to say, okay, well, where are we? Where's the health of our church? What's going on? And God started talking to us about turning it inside out. You know, we had to go from doing life together, which was a big part of our original vision, to making sure that we were intentional about reaching lost and unchurched people. You know, there's a generational shift. Uh, some of you might be uh, uh, children of the 60s and teenagers of the 70s, like, like me and Dr. Robert. Uh, others of you are, I see a lot of younger people here, and that's fine. We're glad you're here. In fact, we're especially glad you're here. We want you to be here. Right. 
But the reality is, when, when I was a kid growing up in Lake Mary, Florida, down by Orlando, I would bet you at least 80% of my little town, the children went to church at least on a bus, even if their parents didn't go. They went to church. They, they knew uh, David and Goliath. They knew Daniel in the lion's den. They, you know, they, they knew certain things you could get on a felt board in a Sunday school class. Anybody don't remember those days? Thank God we've made progress from those days. But it, so, so, and I was one of them. I was raised in church all my life. and didn't know Jesus until I was 19 as personal Lord and Savior. I just knew, you know, my parents chose a nice church with a great choir, but I never heard the gospel that I remember. I never heard, receive Jesus as Lord of your life. I heard, you know, be kind to animals, kind of pleasantries, moralisms, be nice, be kind, be a neighbor, love your neighbor as yourself, love your, love, love, Pets and animals, love your neighbor's pets and animals. You know, I heard stuff, real deep, deep things. <laughs> and it wasn't until I was 19 that I really, uh, that, I, that I was in a situation and I had one aunt that prayed for me all my life, a uh, spirit-filled aunt, I called her my crazy aunt from New Jersey, and she, she prayed for me all of my life, especially my teenage life. She prayed the devil off of me is what she did. And she kept telling me, when you get in trouble, you need to call on the name of Jesus. And when I got in trouble, I finally did. And I've been saved now 43 years. But at that point, understand that when we, when we grew up, the culture was churched. They weren't saved, but they were churched. They knew the lingo. They could come in and just, and just kind of be there and do what they do. Right now, we are the exact opposite, probably not in Panama City, we call y'all the Bible Belt of, the, of Florida, and we love it, we're glad you're doing that, but we, down where we are, closer to Orlando, you're talking about now, 80% of the kids growing up have no church background. We have people coming into our church right now every Sunday who have never been to church before. We got people in their 30s and 40s and they've never darkened the door of a church and they're kind of freak out. They kind of look to see if the ceiling's going to fall in when they walk in. So we're dealing with a completely different culture. Times have changed, but thank God the word of God never changes. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Say amen. Jesus said to his disciples, first day he chose Peter, James, and John. He said, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Follow me. The first key is to follow him. But right now we're in a season where God is expanding his kingdom and we're about, to, I believe we're about to see breakthroughs and I believe we're about to see people that you, you, that you would kind of write off if you pass by him, you'd go, I'm not going to invite that guy to church. He's not interested. I believe some of those people are right on the borderline of coming into the kingdom. And the difference between them being here and not being here is you and me. We are carriers of God's anointing. So when Jesus said, I'll make you fishers of men if you'll follow me, following him is part of it. But the other thing is, I want to ask a question tonight. Are we effectively using the right bait? You know, I'm not a, I'm not a big fisherman, but if I did, I would kind of, if I was basing it on whether, um, what to use for bait, and it was based on my preferences, I would probably use pizza and ice cream on the end of that hook. Because I like pizza and ice cream. So that's, we, we use a lot of pizza and ice cream, by the way, around our church to bring people. We do a lot of ice cream rewards. But um, I mean, no fish don't care about ice cream. It melts in the water anyway. And they probably don't care about pizza. You've got to find what the fish are biting, not to compromise the message, but like Paul said, to enter into that world and have another thought about how this culture relates to God and what might speak to them may be different than what spoke to you. Okay, so I've got three points and I've got a really nice, tidy little message that's gonna be really, really messy. 
And what I mean by that is it's a nice compact thing, but I want you to real, I want to challenge you tonight to think differently, to, to open your heart and to let the Spirit of God speak to your heart, okay? The number one thing lost people say about their impression of church, I'm talking about unchurched lost people, even uh, the couple that cuts the uh, husband and wife that cut my hair. Uh, they just came to our church for the first time. I've been, this guy's cut my hair for 20 years. Finally came to church on Easter Sunday this year, and they're still real slow about everything. But they came. I've invited them for every big event, every Christmas, every Easter, every special speaker. I've, in, I've invited them forever. This year, I think they, they finally listened to me because they, they, you know, my wife asked me to grow my hair longer, by the way. If you're wondering what happened to this 62-year-old man up here, uh, uh, my hairstylist calls my hairstyle uh, modern warrior Viking. <laughs> and because I did modern warrior Viking, they finally came to church after all these years. Anyway, so... These relationships, the, the, this couple, the one thing they kept telling me is, well, we, we're concerned about coming to your church because we're all tatted up and we're all, you know, pierced up and we're, you know, this and that and the other thing. And we just feel like uh, probably your church, your, your people are going to be condemning of us or judgmental or critical. I'm like, well, then you, you better come because you don't know that. Because we might have been that way 15, 20 years ago, but that's definitely not the way we are now. And I'm not promoting all this, but I'm just telling you, the generation has changed. And if we're pre-qualifying people based on how they look, we're all in trouble, right? So, because, you know, listen, if I was God, I wouldn't save a whole bunch of people he saved, <laughs> right? I mean, I'd, I'd, be, I'd, I'd, I'd practice lightning sometimes, you know, just, you know, deep, deep fried to a crackly crunch, you know, just, so, the way of Jesus is that he built relationships and friendships and loved people right where they were. The word said this way, mercy triumphs over judgment. We all know that have been saved for a while, there's a difference between conviction and condemnation. There's no condemnation for us in Christ. But people should feel conviction, not only outside of Christ, but in Christ if we're not living right, if we're not living for God. In my thought is this, how do we run to win? Three things. Number one, there's a passage in the New Testament. The Pharisees, a group of men, bring this adulterous woman. The Bible says she's caught right in the act of adultery. And they throw her down at Jesus' feet. And in this time, some of you remember the story. You've, I've heard preachers preach it for years. You know, Jesus bent down and he probably wrote, you know, names of their girlfriends and stuff in the sand or whatever he did. You know, we, we, have, no, we have no idea of that. So I don't, I'm not going to speculate what Jesus wrote. But when Jesus made the statement, let he who is without sin cast the first stone. In other words, let the perfect go first. Or, or, or what I say in our church is, uh, if anybody's perfect here, we'd like to see you glow in the dark and fly around the room with your angel wings, please. Just right now, anybody, any perfect people? Oh, nobody's flying. See, the reality is we all were broken. We've been set right in Jesus and we are sanctified and being sanctified. And there's nobody perfect in the whole room, nobody perfect in the whole church. In this passage, listen to this. This is, this is what spoke to me. I've probably read this passage a thousand times in John chapter eight. I've probably read it a thousand times in my life, okay? But this is what spoke to me as I prepared this message. From the Amplified Bible says in verse nine, after Jesus said, let the, he was without sin cast the first stone. It says, then those who heard it, being convicted by their conscience, the implication is dropped their stones and went out one by one, listen, beginning with the oldest even to the last. 
And Jesus said to her, neither do I condemn you, go sin no more. Okay, it's interesting to me that these old guys are standing there and when Jesus said it, the oldest guy goes, hey me, and he, he drops his, he, my first point tonight is, if you wanna run to win, you gotta drop the rocks. The first key to victory is lay aside the heavy weights, Hebrews says. Throw down the rocks that you've been holding on to, you know, you know how sometimes you just wanna win an argument? Even with people you love? And you keep, you, you keep that stone in your pocket? Drop it. If we're gonna go on with what God is saying now in this generation, we gotta drop the rocks of judgment and criticism and condemnation. Because it's killing, it's killing the outsiders. Yes, we're gonna go to heaven when we die, but let me tell you something. There are people that are this close, but they hear that little judgy attitude and that little thing, and they go, yep, that's a Christian. That's a Christian. A lot of, listen, a lot of the real hardcore sinners in our generation right now were raised in the church. And they don't want to come, they don't want to come back because of what they saw 20 years ago, 30 years ago. And I'm telling you, God is saying it's time to drop the rocks. The old man, is, I, I find it interesting that when, when, uh, when Paul the Apostle, he, he, he makes statements about, um, um, you know, I, I'm a sinner saved by grace. As he, fin as he gets older, he said, I'm, this, I'm the chiefest of sinners. Like toward his last epistles, he's going, I was the worst one. He didn't say that at the beginning. I think sometimes the older you get, the more you realize Nobody has it perfect. Even the people that you thought along the way were supposed to. We've all failed, we've all blown it. And I'm not excusing that. I'm saying Jesus paid the price for all of us and we've got to have the same grace, but we've got to offer that grace to people who are outsiders. We've got to offer that same grace in our attitudes and in our language. Everybody say, drop the rocks. Couple of questions here. Uh, first of all, if they threw the woman and she was caught in the middle of adultery, where's the man? Where's the guy? If they're caught in adultery, he's gone. They let him off free. My thought is that religious spirits always try to box in people, but especially women. Religious spirits, they try to box in, blame women for men's issues even. Thank you, ma'am, thank you, thank you. Thanks, mom, I appreciate it, no, no. <laughs> anyway, listen, religion is a spirit that degrades and divides. It makes people feel like less than. Let that not be in our churches anymore, amen. <clears throat> this is one of the things the Lord spoke to my heart about. You can't clean a fish until after you catch it and reel it in all the way. That's why we gotta drop the rocks. Jesus dealt with the woman. He said, does anybody condemn you? She said, no one, sir. He said, neither do I. Now go your way and sin no more. He, you know, when Jesus says something, it's an empowering word, not, a, not, a, not just a command, it's a release. So he's giving her the power to go and not live in that same habitual unconfessed life of sin. God is our healer, amen. When challenged about their own lust, the men began to drop their rocks and walk away from the oldest to the youngest. Mature people understand struggle. I'll say it this way, criticism never wins hurting people. You can't, you can't begin a conversation with somebody that's lost by telling them how stupid they are. That doesn't, that's not the right bait. Now, some people might be scared out of hell and into heaven, but in this generation, what I'm finding is love works a whole lot better than fear. In fact, perfect love casts out the fear. We want people to respect God, but it comes out of relationship. And you can't win people that you don't love. I don't know about you, but I'm uncomfortable sometimes with 
some of the stuff that's out there, blatant in the world that used to be behind closed doors when we were kids. And sometimes my wife and I are like, we saw people at our hotel today and it was just gross. But they're lost. They're lost. So I have to get, I have to wrap my mind around the fact that something can be off-putting and yet God still might be, give me a, a friendly smile or a conversation or something that plants a seed toward change. You can't win people you don't love. You can't love them if you're only finding their faults. We can be against sin without destroying broken people. In fact, sometimes we just state the obvious. You know, you're lost. Duh, I'm lost. And we just state the obvious. No, no, no. Let's quit acting like God is always angry. Okay? God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son to pay the price for them and them and us. Right? And God's wrath was taken out at Jesus on the cross 2,000 years ago. I'm not saying he doesn't get angry today. I'm saying he's not an angry God today. That's not his demeanor, his nature, his character, his conduct. He loves so much. He loves so hard because his son paid the price. Somebody said it when I said it earlier, but sinners sin. That's what they do best. The primary sin that takes people to hell, let's face it, is stepping over Jesus' grace not all the just individual sins that they do. It's that if they haven't heard or if they heard and they step over Jesus, people are gonna start coming to God in this community in these next few months and years like you, you can't believe. You're gonna see people that were hardcore atheists coming into high praise. You're gonna see it, you're gonna see it and you're gonna remember it. You're gonna see prodigals return and come back to the house of God. They're gonna come back. They're just lost. Listen, on the cross, Jesus cried, it is finished. It is finished. And I think that one of the things that was finished was the wrath of God against humanity. It's now disappointment. Number two. There's a passage in John chapter 13, verse three, that says, Jesus, knowing the Father had given all things into his hands, that he had come from God, was going to God, rose from supper, and laid aside his garments and took a towel and girded himself. After that, he poured water into a basin, began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel with which he was girded. The first point, point of Running to win is dropping the rocks. rocks. The second point to me is grab the towel. Grab your towel, folks. Loving service speaks volumes to people and actually gives you the right to speak into their heart. But if you are aloof, if you're, if you're un disconnected or, or, or disinterested in people because of the way they look or the way they talk or kind of background they've been in. You know, Jesus grabbed a towel and started washing feet. When you find the expression of your unique God purpose in serving others, your life will find greater significance. In other words, everybody's got gifts, talents, and abilities. But those gifts, talents, and abilities are to be used to serve in the church, each other, brothers and sisters, first and foremost, in serving God. But secondly, you have gifts, talents, and abilities that are also intended to serve people outside these walls. You do. You have gifts, talents, and abilities that, that, are, that are there to be bridge builders. You have that in you, but sometimes we don't use it. I don't know if you saw uh, the movie uh, Jesus Revolution, some of you might have seen earlier this year. It was one of my wife's and my favorites this year. Uh, thank God the day of cheesy Christian movies is gone, you know? I mean, we used to watch, you know, Thief in the Night and some of those things back in the 70s. And it, it, it just, it was so off-putting and cheesy. You just thought, oh, I don't even want to see a Christian movie. I don't want to hear a Christian song. Everything used to be a day late and a dollar short, you know? Thank God the new generation is changing it. The new generation is rising up, and I'm so thankful. We saw that movie, though. My favorite scene, for those of you who haven't seen it, you need to see it. 
my favorite scene is when uh, Pastor Chuck, played by Kelly, Kelsey Grammer, was told by the deacon board in a meeting, we don't want those hippies here because they're coming in barefoot and their dirty feet are ruining the carpet. And in the next scene, you see him out in front of the church and Pastor Chuck grabs a towel and a basin and starts washing all these hippies' feet, literally washing their dirty feet. And then saying, welcome to church. And at one point, the guy that had been, he was still mad, by the way, because it wasn't about feet. And it wasn't about carpet. It was about religious attitude. And at one point, Pastor Chuck said, we're glad you're here. And that guy got up and made a big show of storming out of the door. And then he looked to see who was following him. Nobody. Rapture in reverse. Raptured from religion, boom, right out of the church. My friends, feet are the dirtiest places of the body. It's where you touch the fallen earth. They don't smell good. I am not a foot person, by the way. I don't, I, I don't like feet. I like one set of feet in this whole world. It's my wife's feet. Actually, I love, I love my grandchildren's feet now. I can, I can do, I'm not a foot guy, but I will massage my wife's feet all day long. Jesus came to cleanse our walk. He came to clean us up. He came for those in need of a doctor, not those who didn't think they needed help. Grab your towel, wash some feet. Let Jesus wash yours, then you wash others. Finally this. So number one, everybody say drop the rocks. Number two, say grab your towel. Number three is the most important, and I hope this ministers to you because it hit me when God gave it to me. Most everybody knows the passage in the scriptures about doubting Thomas. Remember doubting Thomas, Jesus comes in uh, after, uh, before he's ascended, after he's resurrected, walks through the wall of the upper room and everybody's there but Tommy. And he walks in and he, and, he, and he shows them and he says, guys, it's me. And they're freaking out. He walked through a wall. Here's Jesus. Jesus leaves. Thomas comes in and, and they said, you won't believe it. He's here. We all saw him. Thomas said what? I will not believe it unless I can see his scars and touch them with my own hands. Right? I think it's interesting. The scripture says, unless I see in his hands the print of the nails and put my finger into the print of the nails and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. That's what he said. That's pretty, pretty emphatic, pretty strong, right? After eight days, his disciples were in, again inside and Thomas was with them this time. And Jesus came, this is John chapter 20, verse 26. And the doors being shut, stood in, Jesus stood in the midst and said, peace to you. Then he said to Thomas, Tommy, come here. Reach, look at the scripture. Reach your finger here and look at my hands and reach your hand here and put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. And Thomas answered and said to him, my Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you've seen me, you have believed, but blessed are those who have not seen and have yet believed. Thomas, first of all, Jesus never called him Doubting Thomas. We made that up. Here's a rock, let's throw it at Thomas. He's one of the, he's one of the 11 left that's faithful, but let, hey, let's load up Doubting Thomas. I was in India one time and uh, the pastor started saying, you know, all of us in India that are saved, how we go back, Christianity goes back to 
Thomas of the original came on his missionary journey all the way to India and they had statues raised to him and, all, and there was a huge missionary journey. Imagine how far India was walking across Asia Minor and Arabia and Iran and Iraq and everything else to get to India. Thomas, don't call him Doubting Thomas. The guy changed nations. And it's still standing 2,000 years later. Number three is this, listen. Show your scars. Show your scars. We know the stories about Doubting Thomas. But listen to what Jesus did. There are some people that are more tactile than others. You know what tactile is? Some people have to, my, my, I've got two grandsons, I've got five grandchildren, two boys and three girls. My youngest grandson is eight years old. His name is Caden Kennedy. And Caden cannot walk by something that he's curious about without touching it, looking behind it, looking around it and asking his daddy, how does this work? all the time. My son-in-law is Tristan Kennedy. He's our, our associate pastor now and, and uh, just a great man of God. But I learned so much about my son-in-law by watching Caden because I, sometimes I call him Tristan Jr. or I call Tristan Caden Sr. Because it's that kind of mindset that they have. Some people, they, you tell them to go into, you go into a glass factory and you tell certain kids, don't touch anything. And what are you gonna get? Broken glass. Not only did Jesus not condemn Thomas, he came to him in his own language. Tommy, come here. You wanna see it? You wanna touch me? Do it. Now, more blessed are those who didn't have to see that. But there's, there's a certain percentage of people in the world that have to see something and touch it and experience it. And it's different. That's why I say we enter their world and think, it, some of us have been saved so long, it's impossible to think like a sinner. Thank God. I'm not trying to ask you to think like a sinner. I'm just trying to put yourself in the framework of somebody who maybe is different than you do, thinks differently than you do, they're different than you are, different personality, different makeup, and here they are. Some people, listen, when, 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 when I said, Jesus, if you're real, come into my life, bam, and I got saved and my life started a different trajectory with my wife immediately. I was still a cigarette smoker for about three more months. Kept telling her, when our baby was born, I'll quit smoking. He was born October, August the 11th, 1980. I rolled over out of, in, my, in my bed, first thing on the morning before I went to work, and I rolled over and I said, I think I'm done smoking. And I haven't smoked since. I, that's, that's all those years ago. Listen, before, when we were dating, she'd, we, I said, I'm gonna quit smoking. Okay, great, she didn't smoke. She, didn't, she hated the fact that I smoked. We'd go to the movies and I'd be like, <laughs> she just, she'd just say, go smoke. One day I wake up after knowing Jesus for three months. And I got up, I said, I don't think I need these. I took and I ripped them up and threw them in the, one by one, flushed them down the toilet and I haven't smoked since. Now I had very little withdrawal because it was God setting me free. But I was still the same person when I got saved. But then all of a sudden these changes started happening. Some people, show me. I wanna see it. I gotta quit here. Listen, some people will be drawn by your testimonies of faith and victory, hallelujah. But others will only believe what they see that you have been through, that you've been through some struggles and that you're still standing. That's what scars are. Scars are only what's left after the infection or injury is healed. And what I want to say is some of us are hiding our scars in the body of Christ because most people will be turned off by those scars. But some, unless they see your scars, they will not believe. Are you hiding 
the things that God intended that he gave you that you came through something and the proof you came through is in the scars that are left. Are you hiding the scars that need to be a testimony to help somebody else? That's how you run for victory. A scar is a trophy, not a shame. Jesus met Thomas at his own personality and understanding. Your scars are what set you apart from everybody else. Pastor Robert helped me. He's, he's, the, he's the proficient author in the family, but I wrote a book last year, got published. In fact, this week, last year, this book came out called Unstuck. This is a journey of scars. I wrote a book called Unstuck a year ago, quite frankly, because I spent so much of my life stuck and only God could get me out of it. It's very conversational, Pastor Robert endorsed it. The best part of the book is his endorsement, by the way. You should read just for that. Anyway, I came tonight and I brought, I brought a few books. I'm not trying to make a, a, a bunch of money on it. I've already you know, just about made my money back and all that. That's not the purpose of this. This is a tool for stubborn people, <laughs> for Thomases. And what I want to do tonight, this on, on eBay, I mean, on uh, Amazon, this is 20 bucks. I, I've got, if you want to buy a book tonight, it's $15 for you. We appreciate that. It'd be great. But here's what I want to suggest, okay? We got Christmas coming up. You got birthdays. You don't know what to get for people anyway. I'm a, it's one for 15, but we'll give you three for 30. 10 bucks a piece if you buy some to give away. That's been my strategy. That's how the word is getting out. And we've been able to help a lot, a lot of people. It's called Unstuck, Break Free, Rise Up, Launch Out, forward by John Mason, a dear friend of ours, publisher of your first book, I think, Silencing the Enemy, wasn't it? He was a great help in that. Let me tell you something, folks. It's time to get beyond what we usually do and do something to, the, to get something into somebody's hands that helps them see. This is all written conversational style. This is not a theological book. This is like you and I sitting down and having a conversation and saying, okay, here's some scars, but look at what God has done. It's time. It's time to run and it's time to run to win. Help somebody else. Maybe you have some wounds that no one can see tonight. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? I'm gonna close right now. Maybe you have some wounds in your soul that only God knows. But I wanna challenge you. See those wounds healed and see those scars as trophies of the proof that Jesus is alive, proof of his love, proof of his power. There are some people I'm looking around right now in the, in the, by the, only by the grace of God, some of us are in the room tonight. Some of you have faced near-death experiences. Some of you were so rebellious at some points of your life and your mama was praying and you tried to run away. Maybe you were in a car accident one time and the enemy tried to take you out. But somebody was praying for you and God turned that death blow into a life-giving scar that's gonna communicate to somebody else because there's no perfect people, there's no, you can't win perfect people that already think they're perfect either. You can, but people that are flawed, people that are unafraid to say, you know what, I messed up, but look what God has done. Oh, that's a healing breakthrough. Let's run to win others. Drop your rocks, grab a towel, and show your scars. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for every person here in the sound of my voice.
I pray tonight that you would draw them to a higher level, draw them to a greater concern for the lost and the hurting. I thank you for what you want to do in high praise. I thank you, Lord, for what's coming, even the doubling again of this church, even the doubling again in the preparation for the new generation of young people and wild people and, 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 and people that have run away but are ready to come back to the house of God. Lord, I just thank you for the anointing of your spirit upon this church as a breakthrough, soul winning, anointing coming through the body. Lord, I thank you that we know here that it's not shepherds that give birth to sheep or lambs. It's sheep that give birth to lambs and sheep. It's people helping other people that bring a change and a shift. Tonight, I ask you to empower every person with a fresh anointing. Maybe you're here tonight and you say, Pastor, I need some prayer. I've been hiding some scars. I'm not gonna have you come up to the front, but I'm gonna say real quickly, if you want me to pray for you, I wanna pray that God would give you the interpretation of this. I'm not trying to tell you what to do specifically, but I am telling you that some of the things you're hiding here are some of the very things that God is gonna turn into the attraction into the kingdom of God. If you're here tonight, say, Pastor, pray for me. Would you lift your hand up right now, all over the place? Just put your hand up. I wanna pray for you right now. Father, I pray for every person whose hand is raised, every person whose heart is open, that you reveal a fresh anointing, a fresh touch of the Holy Spirit upon their lives to bring a shift in the name of Jesus. I break every evil assignment, every lie of condemnation that has tried to push people down and hide them in a corner. And I pray that you would empower those who are simply open to worshiping you by serving others. Let these people be healed. Let these scars be healed completely. And let those things become a testimony of your presence and your power for the next generation. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We love you. God bless you. Thank you for having me here. Thanks again for downloading this podcast. We trust that this message has blessed, encouraged, and edified you. Make sure you subscribe so you never miss a message here from High Praise. Also, you can follow us on social media, on Facebook, and on Instagram. And don't forget to go subscribe to our YouTube channel. We'll be back soon with another incredible message. God bless you and have a great week.